Hi everyone, I'm Shukri. I'm Rachel. Welcome to next episode, please. Where two best friends talk TV and give our two cents that no one asked for, but we're gonna give y'all anyways. We watch anywhere from Insecure to Bachelor in Paradise and even your binge-worthy Netflix dramas that pop up to steal your weekend. Today we're gonna be talking about season by, aka the season five premiere of Insecure that I know all y'all watch. So let's dive in. All right, let's go. (laughs) So the premiere, overall thoughts. I I don't know why for some reason I wasn't blown away. Okay. And I don't I think I had these high very expectations like just a lot of shit was going to go down in the first episode and we were going to be like okay, like we're going to there's more. I need more. Like but I think they were setting the tone for the rest of the yeah. season, which was also yeah. needed, I think. Yeah, and I agree with you. But I had a different reaction to the expectations we set. I was so disappointed because we had talked about how the first episode is called Reunion, okay? So I was like, okay, great. They're giving us they're giving us all the resolve that they ended season four on, okay? Issa and Molly back on track. Lauren and Issa at a better place. They've already gotten an answer and we'll just, you know, we'll be diving into the relationship they formed. No, none whatsoever. Even Issa's, like, job feelings are are up in the air it's just like hold on girl we left on a good note what Mm -hmm. happened it's just oh but she did it Uh, yeah i think it's so funny because like they made their whole reunion at stanford which we all know is a not it's a PO, not predominantly, it's a predominantly white institution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they made that shit look like it was a HBCU, right? <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, I was like, y'all was... made me want to go to Stanford, and my name is like. <laughs> I said they're gonna like because Tiffany was definitely wearing her AKA. Yeah, um, they were yeah, talking about the awesome. Omegas. I said they're really treating this like it's an HBCU and it's not Stanford <laughs> up in California. <laughs> like okay. But you know how we'll be at our reunion. We'll be out there talking about the alphas, you know? Like, okay, remember the but alphas? But also, this was their 10-year reunion. I don't think I'd be going to a UCLA reunion. I don't know. I don't think so either. It was so big. Part of me was like, I didn't know college's undergrad had reunions That's, in that yeah. sense. Like, they do, um, what is it, alumni weekends or um, mm-hmm. in homecoming and stuff to give the panel discussions. But I was like... You're making yeah. a dream of something that I never thought I'd want. But also Stanford's a private school, so they probably had a lot smaller oh, um, things. Okay. Whereas, like, we went to UCs, and Those are big. I don't remember half of the people at UCLA. <laughs> so, no, I'm not going to know a 10-year reunion. <laughs> we formed our little groups, you know? So when we reunite... <laughs> It'll be giving those HBCU vibes. We just exactly. got to do it on campus, you know? Just got to do it on campus. Yeah. But I, I was say. here for all the the music. They really had a lot of Bay Area music. They had Blow the Whistle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. From the childhood. It was B40. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the T-Pain reminders because he was a big part of childhood. <laughs> like, he really was. No. Ugh. Rachel, you said you watched This High. So what are your thoughts? So 
<laughs> I started it high, okay? And it was a fun time. It was a fun time. The rap group, the comedy I was living. Especially when Kelly was like, they killed me, y'all. And Issa was like, I'm mad they quoted my laugh. That was, I was done for a minute. I was done on that one. But I do have to admit, like, when everything got serious, like, after the panel discussion and seeing how Issa was feeling and, like, the walk with Molly, it's it sobered me up hella quick. Like, by the end of the episode, I was like, nah, I'm cool. I should, I, I'm, I'm done. This is mentally, I feel it in my heart type of thing. So, the vibe. And then yeah. Kelly had drama. We talk about Kelly needing, um... To be put out there more. Like, we want to see more of her character. It's like... Oh, oh yeah. No. I think they yeah. heard that, you know, how the... What is it? The viewers were kind of like the lack of Kelly's... Not character development, just storyline development. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what they wanted to touch up on so early with this specific reunion. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, outside of that, in terms of, like, group friendships, like, when you do have that person who's, like always the comedic relief and always like the support system for everyone else because they they like their life is together but you don't know much about them it's like how does that feel like how does that play out so um the car scene was interesting i was like i wonder who she texted and then uh he said molly went out to go get robbed oh yeah <laughs> yeah that was so and interesting even, in. mm -hmm. yeah, it wasn't was up at, until that point because you know what was her name cheyenne shy whatever i forget and you know, by the time they realized she set up this whole robbery, they're like, "Ain't shit changed," type of thing. I don't know. I just feel like it was like a kind of like a cautionary tale because this is their ten year reunion. Mm -hmm. That like there are gonna be those people in your life mm -hmm. that you might see five, ten years from now, and things should change. Because I know mm -hmm. I feel that way about not necessarily college, but thinking about like high school. High school. And because yeah. I still have some people from high school on social media, and I'm just like. Ain't shit change. Y'all really still the same people. Like, y'all still act like we're 16, 17 year olds, but we're out here 25 year olds. Yeah. Like, some people got their shit together and stuff, but there are some people that's just like, what's up? Why? And mm -hmm. I also really think for the people I've seen personally for, that I grew up with, when, I, when we go to the ain't shit change, those are the people I think who stayed in San Diego, mm -hmm. specifically in the neighborhood that we grew up in. And I think I've stayed in this bubble in mm -hmm. the sense of like there was an opportunity for growth for them. Mm -hmm. So it was yeah. just like, whereas I feel like me, even just going to LA, which is two hours away from San Diego, was like, gave me so much room for like mm -hmm. growth. I was able to like find myself and find myself outside of my family dynamics mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just be able to like change. Because if I definitely went to San Diego State, I probably still would have been really tight. <laughs> With some people I went to high school with, I probably still yeah. would have been like, I would have been that person. Ain't shit changed. She's still Ain't shit changed. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I think I'm a believer of like, when it comes time, like, get out of your hometown. It raised you. It groomed you. It taught you about the world. But then like, go test that out and go see the world. Even if it's just like the next city over type of thing. But like, there is so much to learn. And um, it, was, it was so interesting because like moving home after after college and stuff, moving all the way back here to the East Coast, it was like, man, am I going to be a local again? But, like, even the fact that, like, we know what that term means, being a local, okay? Not exactly. Back, but I'm like, uh-uh, it's a no for me. It's a no for me. That's why even, like, even, like, we both moved back after college, and 
I still was like, like, fuck, like, I'm not trying to come back to San Diego because, like, I know that would put me in my, like, day-to-day of, like, moving back home and, mm-hmm. like, getting stuck in, like, the shit with my family and then also just, mm-hmm. like, day to, like the day-to-day that I, like, it just threw me off my personal, like, routine that I had set up in college. Mm-hmm. So it was just, like, different. But I also told myself, like, like okay, you're going to apply to grad school and you're not going to stay in San I mean, I ended up staying in San Diego. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Um, that was more for financial reasons (laughs) (laughs) Um, but even now like thinking like what we grad I graduated what 2018 so -hmm. it's like three years being here but I'm like it's time for me to leave like I need to go to another Mm -hmm. city like I'm not trying to be here yeah I feel that catch me on a flight country next year (laughs) okay Um, but it's interesting because I think uh, definitely Issa and Molly they're LA natives they went to Stanford then moved Mm -hmm. back home I want to assume Kelly and um, Tiffany also did too because they Mm -hmm. seem well integrated. So I wonder, like, even that dynamic and how it plays up and if moving back home kind of throws things up. Because when you look, look, I think, like, when you look at Molly's life, it's like, yeah, she has her shit together. She got the law degree. She's Mm -hmm. in the law firm. She's killing it. But... You could, you could argue that some of the patterns that come from being at home are still present in her life. You oh, know? yeah, for sure. Family, relationship dynamics, like, mm-hmm. it's kind of a struggle. Um, and Issa kind of has it figured out, too, but at the same time, like, I wonder if, like, the career aspect, like, if there yeah. would be different pressures if she was not doing it in her hometown, in a sense, like. Yeah. Those are, that is interesting to think about. Well, let me step back. I, I know LA is a tight community. Okay, don't move from LA. It just was not. <laughs> it was not for me. I was not trying to stay in LA. Me either. It was fun while it lasted, but um, it was definitely y'all like, enjoy out there. Yeah, I, I it's definitely a good college town, like city to be in for college. But to stay there after college, like you have to be an LA native. Like I love LA. Like I'm gonna stay here. Or, like. I'm or a Hollywood transplant. Yeah, I just, it's yeah. just not for me. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm very much with it. So, um, yeah. what else happened? Oh, I have to say, let me tell you. When Molly walked in to the, before they met, what's her name? Uh, Charlene? Sh- Cheyenne? Cheyenne? I think her name was Cheyenne. Cheyenne. <laughs> All I remember is, shut the fuck up, Cheyenne. Shy. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but the outfit Molly was wearing the coral Where, suit. Wait, was it? Weren't they wearing the Stanford? Um... Right after that, I think it's a scene after that. They're walking in the mixers. They start running into people. They run into Cheyenne. Oh yes, it was it like see not see through. It was like um, the sheer sheer, sheer. jacket, mm-hmm. but the top was coral. The pants were coral, and I was like, "How do you find?" coral in this many like clothing options it was lovely yeah. i loved it i wrote that down because i was like i need that i need that <laughs> <laughs> i like some of molly's outfits Issa's outfits be cool too but mm-hmm. they're also made for tall people i'm short as fuck yeah. i can only dream <laughs> like when i see like long you know those long like pants or you could like that are buka i said these aren't made for short people yeah. these are not yeah, made for be short tripping people. on my face <laughs> because <laughs> i wear some shit like that it's like dragging on the floor it's like it's well how do you feel way. about heels green? i'm not a heel person either like i can do like a good <laughs> wedge maybe um but i need to be able to walk in it and not oh, yeah. trip on my ass 
I don't know. I I also thought what was interesting was when this entire episode, like, you can obviously tell Molly and Issa, it was kind of like walking on eggshells, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And they weren't, like, sure. Like, Molly obviously asked Kelly for advice, like, like, how did you know when things were cool between you and Tiff? Like, like, you know, it seemed like they, like, they're trying to get to that place they were in before, like, as best friends. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was until um, after the near-death experience where they got shot up at, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> where they got in the car, and it was kind of like the ice broke. It was like, yeah, and they started to like clowning each other, you know. Yeah. It was just like, and it was like, I think for them it was like a sense of relief in a way, where mm-hmm. they didn't feel like they had to walk on eggshells. But like, I think it also shows like, I remember when my, one of my best friends. Stephanie in high school. So we were both in ASV and we like she like pissed me off on something. I forget, but we had like Uh-oh. I think we had to set up for like a game, a football game, because ASV was in charge of setting up for football games, like the yeah. concession stands. And like she just wasn't being helpful. I think she was like, all up on her booth thing at the time. And I was just like, where is like the support? Like we were try- we were on time, like sensitive. And we were like outside of the ASV. And I, like, blew up on her. We both blew up on each other, honestly. And it was, like, then we had to work the concession stand together, so that was hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, like, so we didn't talk that entire night. And then the next day, like, we had most of our classes together. We still didn't talk, Uh-oh. I remember. And <laughs> it wasn't until there was this one girl we did not fuck with. And they used to be, she says something stupid or something. We looked at each not other and we just started other. laughing. <laughs> But that just kind of reminded me, that was, like, the reminding, like, me of, like, I think whenever you get a, like, we, me and you haven't had, like, a fight like that. But, mm-hmm. like, I feel like when best friends get into, like, big fights, like, it's always, like, are we good? Like, are we normal again? Like, finding mm-hmm. that normalcy where it's, like, like, but what mm-hmm. is normal? Is it, like, mm-hmm. we're back what and joking normal? and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Or is it the so, confiding aspect? Like, we're Exactly. Because mm-hmm. even Issa felt that, you know, when she was, like, when she asked her about, what was his name? Fuck buddy, Molly. What was his buddy. name? Yeah, I don't remember his I name. I forget. Um, you don't need it. <laughs> but she was asking about like her advice, and Issa's like, "Oh, like you're like you're asking like you, mm-hmm. like do you actually like want my advice type of thing?" And I think it was, I think like obviously goes to show like little eggshells they both felt like they were walking on. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. But yeah, I um so that that was the interesting that was something I was thinking about. Because um, when Molly asked Kelly for advice, right, and Kelly was like, you got to be fake back before you're backpack. Like, I, you know how many jokes I laughed out? I was like, that's that's interesting because Tiffany and Kelly are the close ones. Issa and Molly are the close ones. But when there was tension um, in those two separate relationships, I was like, what's the friendship dynamic that, like, Molly and Kelly kind of were, are carrying the weight of bringing the friendship back where it should be? And Issa and Tiffany, like are just cool like they're just like mm-hmm. okay like uh, you know like okay I guess that was good we'll bond or like nah this is awkward I'm good um and what that means so when I got to the moment I and it was I was trying to dissect with like Kara like because when only one person carries the weight of bringing the relationship back will it ever get back or like in the car blow up it sounds like Molly or no Kelly still has some type of like feelings like 
Tiffany's not providing what she needs, the support that she needs in that relationship. Yeah. You know? At that and time, so, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, so did y'all really resolve it? Or, or is, it, is it still fake back? Also, we don't know what happened between them. Um, but then when oh, it got true. to, <laughs> after them being robbed, um, and, and Molly asked Issa, like, for her advice, I noticed what was different is Issa actually gave her advice to Molly, where I think in the past, Issa kind of used to engage in that, like, clowning, joking, like, oh, you got this, like, oh, no, he's a fuck anyway, like, type of thing. Oh, yeah, like, it was, like, actually grown-up advice, like, that he could take. Yeah. Yeah, you know what we call that, right? Growth. Growth. (laughs) (laughs) As Nicole Kelly. (laughs) Yeah. I love that one, though. This is going to work. This is going to work if y'all are pulling the weight. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I see I it. it was... Omari. Oh, Sorry. That was his name. That was Omari. his name? Oh. The Fuck Buddy Scholarship. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> so, Rachel, how many how many dudes you got you ever have on a Fuck Buddy Scholarship is the real question. <laughs> how many did you? Oh, no. <laughs> Does the scholarship apply post-undergrad? Definitely not post-undergrad for me. If we're talking undergrad, that's a whole different story. (laughs) Hmm. That was so funny, though, because that Omari guy seemed like he had his shit together. Like, you know, you would think that would be the guy that Molly should be with, you know? Like, obviously he's divorced now, but, like, he seems like he had his shit together. Mm-hmm. And even when he, that exchange between him and Molly, it was interesting to see, like, because it seemed like everyone wanted to, for them to be together, so it never went past the fuck buddy yeah, mess, you know? Stage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, but that, that also have a lot of factors in the sense of, like, maturity and where they were in their undergrad at the time, but... But I think Issa's advice, like, Issa's advice was important. It made it, um, the way she said it was, like, Molly just wasn't into him. You could have all the check boxes, but if you're really not into the person, like, what is the point, you know? And it was just kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. he may be grown now. He may have, like, a job. It can take you to more than, like, the dining halls and have a king-size bed. But if you're <laughs> not into the person, is it going to work, you know? So I look forward to seeing Molly navigate that part of herself that doesn't, mm-hmm. like, need relationship where she kind of yeah. puts aside the things that she wants or even, like, her desire just to get it. Um, it's hard, though, especially how old they are. That comes up because they all, even Issa and her, because, you know, Tiffany's the only one in that friend group that's married, has a child, so it's like, mm-hmm. I think they all feel that pressure in some aspect or it's like, mm-hmm. fuck, we're in our early 30s. None of yep. us are in the route to get engaged. Yep. And I'm glad that they're in their 30s. It makes me reflect. It really makes me reflect. Because I remember post-first relationship, it was like, well, what now? You know, like, it didn't work out with the person it should have worked out with. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it just kind of, it really opens your mind up to, like, there can be more. Like, there are more sources exactly. of joy. Like, that was one time in my life. And we, we let you go. We look for more. But, like, we don't have to force it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I feel that. So, so some of the <laughs> some of the questions that were posed in this episode, heavy, Let's heavy. Do Let's do it. So, how would people remember you if you died today? I don't know. I think about that all the time. 
Low key, yeah. if I could be a fly in the wall of my own like funeral, yeah. would want to. <laughs> like, like I low key yeah. want to see. Are people posting stories with that one song? <laughs> um, what song? The Fast, the Fast and Furious. Oh, like, oh, uh, the See You Again or something. Till I see you. <laughs> I'm like, is it like a compilation of all the good times? <laughs> um, I'm like, but I also, then a part of me also is like, the part of me that doesn't give a fuck, I'm like, I don't have like a big friend group. Like I feel like I did in high school. Like I was like social butterfly in high school that like now where I am in my life, I'm like, I don't care. Like if people, like as long as like my family and the people close to me, like, my five best friends that I talk to probably mm-hmm. on a daily are like grieving mm-hmm. properly and stuff yeah. like and I've left some sort of like impact in their lives like that's probably all I care about but I I think I want to be remembered by like the joy I brought into people's lives mm-hmm. oh, um, you do. cause like even my siblings will say this like I do like I talk a lot of shit uh, when I talk a lot of shit it's more for Can like confirm <laughs> <laughs> But for me, it's usually, like, I'm going to say something or talk shit about you. Whether that's to humble you or not, that's different. But it's also to get a laugh okay, at you. Okay, Aries. Like, <laughs> but it's also to get a laugh out of you. My siblings will, I think, can speak to that. It's like, I'll say something, like, really obnoxious or, like, out of pocket. And then they'll laugh and be like, you're fucking stupid. But, like, it got them yeah. to laugh. Like, you know? Yeah. So I think that's, for me, that's what I mean by joy. Like, I want to be remembered by, like, the joy I brought into people's lives. Yeah. But, yeah. What about you? Yeah. I think, so I think the way people remember me now is the, like, you know, reliable, joy friend is there, like, fun. Um, I think, and the same thing as you, right? Like, I I have a small crew, you know? I got my mm-hmm. family. I got my close friends. I'm, like, very comfortable and happy with that. So, um it, I, like for that I think it's like I'm cool with it not being like a big facade after I leave yeah. you know it's like as long as like those folks are able to kind of like come together grieve and like mm-hmm. still feel closeness or close to me and stuff I think that's cool um but it's interesting to think about in the scope like you know you know how we are in society now right like on the social medias it's got a, like biggest followings biggest likes exactly so, part of me still has a feeling that like even when you die, like, you know, at least um, when we watched Nine Perfect Strangers, the one wife on there, like, when, the one who felt, like, a lot of social pressure, I think her thing, too, when she talked about, like, if I die, what are people going to say? But it has this mm-hmm. expectation that, like, a lot of people have to, like, care and, like, exactly. memorialize your life. And it's, like, I think it's okay. There are so many of us. Like, work your relationships, work yourself, and, like, be good. Mm-hmm. Um so I hope for that too. I think but, um, in terms of besides like the joy, I think for me it's gonna be like wow, like Rachel was really there for us. Like I think that that's something that people will probably that, like speak reliable. On. Like, yeah, yeah, she was there. Yeah. Advice, like following through on things, like mm-hmm. just you know listening ear or spending time together. Like I, I think yeah. that's my descriptor. Yeah. So wholesome, such a Taurus. Um, yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, what would you say about me? If you died, mm-hmm. R.I.P. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Quotes, laughs. 
No. I think I'd be really sad. Like, I really don't like thinking about, like, losing people close to me. Like, I've lost Mm -hmm. an undergrad, a good amount of people close to me, like, back Mm -hmm. to back. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, that was, like, my father and my grandparents that, like, I grew up with. But with that, I I feel like I recovered pretty fast in the sense of, those people were either at old age, like they, I knew they lived their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never really thought about like my fiance or my sisters or like my best mm-hmm. friends, like, cause I don't, I don't think I could work. Rec- I don't know. I, I'm sure I would recover, but I feel like it would take a while for me. Cause I also yeah. am the type to like hit up people randomly and be like, Oh wait, yeah. I can't FaceTime them or I can't like, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I feel like, that would be hard. I feel like, <laughs> like, and I don't like thinking about it. I think that's a lot. A lot of people are either okay with death or they're like very numb to it. Or like, I'm a huge empath, so like I take <laughs> like, it's like fuck. Like if I'm close to you, then like you're gone. Yeah. It's like I gotta find a way to like rework my life in the sense of yeah. like, you're not in my day to day anymore. You know? Yeah. 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 And I, yeah, that's heavy for me too. Because it's, like, it's the same. Uh, And I think about, like, what is it? My love language being quality time, okay? And we Mm -hmm. are making this work long distance. We have such great quality time. Yes, through FaceTime. Yeah. Exactly. And watching these shows together, shout out. (laughs) But, Um, like, We spent the most quality time, though. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. For context, everyone, we realize our love language is that summer of 2017. We took the test. Post-graduation. And we, we took, like, the love language test. Yep. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. found out our our top number one was quality time and then spent the entire summer binge-watching Power. Power. <laughs> like what else we did we watch? So many other things. We watched all, all seasons of... Oh, Queen. We started Queen Sugar, too. We started Queen Sugar. That was a rough start, if anybody wants we to We literally were... <laughs> just prepare yourself. If you're going to watch the first episode of Queen Sugar... Make sure you have a ton of tissues, that you're not going through it, that you're not. And it brought up stuff that it was like, I just met y'all. Like, I just met these characters and learned your stories. Not you making me reflect on my life already. For me, it was like, I just met Lauren and I'm out here balling. Yeah. Like, I don't know, Lauren was Rachel's friend. I'm like, I don't know you for you to be seeing me crying like this, like. Yeah, that's so interesting. I like felt the slight energies between y'all where I was like, oh, like you both need like support in this moment. But there's like, I don't know, you know, like the side eye, like, I don't really know you like that yet. Like, do we want to do this? We're really going through it right now together in the first 10 minutes of meeting. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I definitely think if you don't know your love language, find out your love language because. The fact that both of our love languages, our top one is quality yeah. time, and we found a way to make it work long distance. Yeah. We're driving out here. This relationship it also, it also shows exactly, but it also shows how important that is because people think love languages, oh, I just need it for my partner, but it's also you need you it know, for friendships. Just need it for friendships. So it's yeah. like you don't because mm-hmm. one of my best friends, like our top one, is quality time, but like Stephanie. Hers is, like, more of, like, acts of service. Like, we don't spend as much. She just moved back to San Diego, and we don't spend as much time together. Like, we'll hit, her, hit each other up 
like once in a while but like that's how our friendship has always worked especially after mm-hmm. like in undergrad and stuff and it still mm-hmm. works but it's like when she got really sick um and I went and like dropped off like some tea and mm-hmm. some food for her because she hadn't been eating like she pre- like it's like different like you need to I think also understand how to cater to other people's love language yeah, in a I friendship too and yeah. that's what I wonder about Issa and Molly do they know their love languages <laughs> no. I don't think they do mm-hmm. unless they have one for just constantly like clowning okay like to say a little light joke here and there yeah um, Cause, but I, I, I mean, if we're guessing, I definitely think Molly's is words of affirmation. She needs a lot okay. of like, like affirming, yeah. like in her decisions and okay. her, like in stuff she does. Like that's what I in think. Her Molly's insecurities like. and her place mm-hmm. in people's lives. Yeah. What would yeah. Isa's be? Isa's, I go from like. I feel like it could be like acts of service, because I feel like she appreciates when people okay. do things for her. You know. I think kind okay. of like in the sense of like, even for thinking about last season, and I think when she needed Molly's help with like the block mm-hmm. party, even yeah. when Nathan helped her, I think it's like acts of service and like it. a friendship yeah. type of thing that means yeah. more. So I'm thinking like, obviously they have different types of love languages, but I wonder if that's yeah. also for her a, a, a role that it played um, season one when she was like fading from Lawrence. Because he wasn't really contributing much to the relationship. So, you know, the pressure of everything, like, not only being on you, but also, like, my love need Mm -hmm. is not being met, you know? Like, there are no acts of services that you are, like, willing to extend to me to kind of still make me feel like this relationship is holding me the same way. Yeah, I even had that conversation in season four where she was like, it felt like you didn't want me. Like, and if it Mm -hmm. felt nice to be wanted by another man, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. so obviously besides the physical touch aspect, I definitely think acts of service is probably big on aces. But Mm -hmm. yeah, people, love languages just aren't for uh, for relationships. (laughs) For your friendships too. And your relationships probably with your siblings and your mama. (laughs) Yes. When I tell you using um, my quality time active love i think my mom's is the same um and acts of service i can't get her to take it mm-hmm. but reworking my relationship with her and working in like my love language into it and stuff like it's working it's positive you know we're addressing my childhood yeah. trauma we're rebuilding this relationship we're getting mm-hmm. places it's nice yeah let's see what was another Ugh. question that um Ooh, this is a this was a good question. When did you know you were on the right path? And I know our answers are gonna be like, I don't even know if people are gonna think that they count since we're so young, young quote unquote. We're so young. I mean, mid twenties. Okay. <laughs> but we but this is a time to struggle with that. We're like mm-hmm. creating our path. So when did you when did you know, if you knew? Um, I I don't. It's hard because I feel like right now. If you had asked me right out of undergrad, mm-hmm. or even in undergrad, I was like, I don't know if I'm in the right path, because mm-hmm. I didn't even know what I wanted to do post-undergrad until my fourth year of college, where I was like, okay, social impact, that's mm-hmm. what I want to do. And I did a ton of PR and marketing internships, where I was like, okay, how do I bridge these two interests mm-hmm. together after undergrad? And I got lucky um, in the sense of coming back home, I was able to find um, an agency that works with nonprofits and has that social impact component, and but I'm also doing the marketing work um, that I'm currently doing. Mm-hmm. But 
I've been in this role for almost three years now, and mm-hmm. I and I talk to this <laughs> with my sisters and even my fiance that I don't I don't know if marketing is what I want to continue doing. I know I want to stay in the social space, mm-hmm. um, but I also have been interested in DEI work and um, also want to make more money so it's like how we get the coin so it's like um how do i find whether that's going to a bigger organization whether that's tech or whatever like if even if i like was to go into tech i think i'd want to stay in like those very small spaces in tech where they focus on doing social good and working with like organizations like nonprofits and stuff that they're finding ways to help because i think that's i know the path i want to be on i is to be in like the social impact space yeah. how that appears in careers I think it's going to change over time for me because right now it's, yeah. it's through marketing Yeah. if you ask me two, three years from now it might be in a different role so right. Right. we'll see I'm, I'm with that yep. <clears throat> I, I, and that's that's a big part of kind of like how I have to find security in like such a big question like that it's more of like what is what is like am I still aligned with what I feel like is my overall purpose because trying to do it through a job title or working at a specific company that does not that has not worked for me that has stressed me out even more that has brought on like a lot of imposter syndrome a lot of insecurities am I doing the right thing am I doing the right thing type of type of feelings um and that was the thing like I definitely go through I've gone through a lot of I'm not on the right path and um, I feel like for myself I've kind of had to rework it instead of instead of am I on the right path it's like wh- what do I know I'm not doing yeah. what have I learned that I'm for sure not doing and narrowing it down that way because mm-hmm. um, even now even now being in grad school I feel good about being in grad school and I know I'm where I'm supposed to be and yeah. my future and what I want to do with it is constantly being like molded and like restructured with the things that I'm learning um but where I start to stress myself out is where it's like so what kind of job do you look do you think you're looking to get with this and I'm like hold on a moment okay hold on okay um but it's hard to figure that out in grad school that's the thing even when I did grad school like I knew where I was going to grad school for at the time and it was to enhance what I wanted to go but I had a lot of peers in grad school who were doing that specific program and then mm-hmm. when they would get asked that question about like so what are you can do with this degree like what are you trying mm-hmm. to do after it's like i don't know maybe i'll work yeah. for the un maybe i'll work for a nonprofit. maybe I'll, like you yeah. know like so like but the big thing know. is now we have options like at least we got options you know mm-hmm. always kept those open so yeah but i also feel like you wouldn't have had that if you decided on law school because you yeah. went through the whole process. You went through the whole process. You took us that. You took everything. And I feel like if you were right now in law school, I don't know if you would feel like this is the path I'm supposed to be on. I wouldn't. It would be a struggle. I'd be forcing it. First of all, we wouldn't have this, okay? This time. <laughs> Exactly. But also, and that's the thing. I learned in undergrad. In undergrad, first year, I tried forcing myself into a major that was like simply not working for me. And during that time in my life, I didn't want to listen to those signs. Like I didn't. I was forcing it because I imagined like a very specific like career choice for me, mm-hmm. and was like, there's no other way to get there. Um, until it was so much so that it was like I was pushed out of that major and had to rework it, re- rethinking. Now when I look yeah. back to that time, I'm like, okay, I remember those feelings. It was the feelings that like things, 
not even like in a constructive way, but just generally, like I'm trying so many things and it's just not working, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's no options. I remember like so many like gut feelings, not telling me not to do it, but just like, it was always strained. Okay. I had gut problems. That's stress. (laughs) So now I take all those feelings and I'm like, if I feel that way, it's not it. And I went through all the processes for law school and I was like, I'm still feeling that way. Like, I'm I'm yeah. not very excited to apply. Something, mm-hmm. let me figure this out before it's like $100,000 in debt to do something and then exactly. be like Joan and, and switch careers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that was all the questions that were posed, right? I don't think, was there any other ones? No. No, that was pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Well... And that's all we have for y'all. Um, join us in our next episode where we will be talking any anything and everything of the second episode of The Bachelorette oh, from Michelle. Season. We are Michelle Stans, and you'll we see are. as we talk about it in our next episode. <laughs> she can do no wrong. Y'all, please watch the first one. She deserves all the rounds of applause, okay? Deserves it. She does. Yeah, stay tuned and we will see y'all next time. See y'all next time. Let's next episode, please. Next episode, please.